I love that song. And when I heard that song, it, it reminded me of how I usually pursue after the typical blessings that we're going to talk about today. And I love that it says that we are running after fortune that we somehow should have found by now. And that's something that I started to get really, really almost irritated, if I'm going to be completely honest, at hearing people talk about these wonderful blessings. And I found myself chasing after these beautiful kind of mystical things that probably are a lot like a unicorn. And maybe you've never thought about that. I promise I'm not going to talk about like unicorns in the Bible or something today. But blessings, a lot of the times people in our culture, they equate with these amazing feats that are kind of hard to know where they came from, how did we get them, how do we find them again, kind of like a unicorn, right? No one knows if they really exist. Maybe the kids here are like, what? Um, but I promise today that you're going to realize I'm not, I'm not hating on the unicorns, I promise. All right? I'm going to show you a video that just goes to show I love a good unicorn too. All right? So go ahead and take a look. Coming to you alive from far, far away, it's Swamp Talk with Shrek and Donkey. On today's Swamp Talk, we've got the tips you need for getting rid of those pesky, oversized, pointy-headed ponies we call unicorns. Yeah, wait, wait, what? Who hates unicorns? I do. They're lazy, they slobber glitter all over the swamp weed, and they turn all your best toads into princes. Well, I am one-eighth unicorn. <laughs> you don't even have a horn. Majesty is only skin deep. Ugh, you're a donkey, donkey. At first glance. And second and third. Look, just because I don't look like one doesn't mean I don't feel like one. You're nothing like a unicorn. They're loud, flashy, and don't know when to take a hint. Oh, hang on. You are a unicorn. <laughs> so there you go. As, as I sat with this message, I thought that the fitting title, if we're going to talk about blessing, is what do we do when our unicorn looks a lot more like a donkey? And today, as we dig into blessing, we are going to kind of look at what our culture says blessing is and look really deep into what Jesus told us blessing actually is and kind of reconcile the hardships that all of us go through. And when we hear people say, like if you're on social media at all, I mean, you hear people that are like, got a new job, hashtag blessed. Or they're like, you know, they throw out whatever, too blessed to be stressed. And like for a while, I kind of got super irritated. Like, okay, so am I equating God's goodness? Because like my life is like falling apart, terrible right now. So does that mean... Like, I can't really use that hashtag, blessed. And I did a few times, like, oh, like, this totally, like, transmission out in the car. So blessed. Like, and everyone's like, oh, that's so funny. And I'm like, okay, no one believes me somehow when I say that I'm really blessed. Because obviously we equate fortune, good outcomes, positive things with blessing. And I went and dug in and thought, okay, why do I find that I'm so disappointed when I compare, when I hear people talk about these positive things? And I thought, is that really the gospel? 
that all blessing is something positive. And I feel like our culture glorifies blessing in a way that kind of takes away the gospel from what blessing truly is. I'm gonna pray for us before we dig into the Beatitudes, which is where we're gonna look at what Jesus really said some pretty amazing things about blessing, that it had nothing to do with circumstance at all and actually marries it with the promise of God that is pretty amazing. So I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna dig into Matthew 5. God, I thank you for, thank you for this day. I thank you for each and every person here that maybe they've come in today so thankful that the holidays are over and they don't have to hear people talk about the good being even greater and they are just glad to kind of close the chapter on the holidays because it's been hard. God, your blessing is so much more than what our culture equates to blessing. God, would you open our eyes to your promises today and pour over our hearts new hope and grace exactly where we're at today. God, do what only you can do today. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So obviously, I'm gonna be equating those magical kind of blessings that like people hashtag, you would find that they would hashtag it so blessed, right? Like people that are like, oh my gosh, I got a new house today and someone gave me a car and I got a promotion and I found $100, so blessed. And you're like, seriously? Because our nature is to compare the blessing with where we're at, either to say, why don't I have this kind of blessing? Or I'm totally not saying that you have to think, I am so blessed because there is someone that can have it worse than I can, because that's pretty depressing. Um, <laughs> that's not the way Jesus talked about blessing. So we're gonna open up to Matthew 5, but before we do, um, Jesus is talking in the Beatitudes and he's saying a lot of words here that describe really hard circumstances. And he's taking these circumstances that usually in our culture we equate these great blessings with circumstances that are really positive. That we think, oh, like that's great. But somehow we only equate it to positive circumstances. So when it doesn't look like that, we don't really think it's a blessing at all. But the real, so I dug into the word, okay, what is Jesus? What's the word in Greek? And what if we look back in the root word of blessed that Jesus is saying in the Beatitudes that blessed are these people, blessed are these people. What did that word mean? Did it mean happiness, fortune, and good outcomes? Because if so, that's really hard to like understand. Like be happy because you're poor. Be happy because you're sad. Be happy. And you're like, what? So I looked at that word, and makarios is the word that Jesus uses in the Beatitudes. And so it felt a little flat, translated into English, that it only means happy. I thought, really, happiness, okay. So I did a little word study on that word in Greek, and when I came to this explanation of how they use this word blessed in their day and age, I thought, now that's probably closer to what we're talking about true blessings the way Jesus outlines it here. It said, joy or happiness that is not dependent 
on circumstance. And I thought, okay, that makes a lot of sense because Jesus is telling us here, blessed, the kind of blessing he says, blessed, joy that comes from things that are not born of circumstance but born out of promise. So we're gonna dig in and look here in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5. We're gonna start at the third verse. And Jesus is teaching them a very, this is, I mean, if you've been around the church any length of time, you've probably heard this quite a lot. So it's nothing mind-blowing. But if you look at the word blessed in the way that he is saying joy that comes from promise and not from circumstance, it's, it's pretty profound. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you, people, when you are insulted, people persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And he throws in there after all of that long list, verse 12, which is kind of comical because he's talking about all these hard things that probably resemble a donkey more than the unicorn, right? He doesn't say like, blessed are you when your bank account's full and your kids are all doing what you say. He's actually putting out there some pretty tragic, painful situations. And then he says, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. And I'll pause there. And as we look here into that meaning of blessing in the way that it's joy that is born out of promise, not of circumstance. Jesus is taking over here the circumstance that is probably more like a donkey. It stinks, it's stubborn, it doesn't go away. All those things that we heard in that video and he is marrying it with saying blessing that is born out of promise. That's what blessing is. That's how we can reconcile and understand, okay, the way everyone says blessing is, am I not blessed because things aren't going my way? Jesus is saying, oh no, that's why I came. Blessing in your circumstance means joy that doesn't come from it, it comes from promise. So if we go back and look with those eyes to see the word blessing as Jesus is speaking, saying regardless of your circumstance, there is joy that is not dependent on it. He's saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. He's calling the hard thing, the people that emotionally, spiritually, physically, they don't have. He is calling out, kind of dumping over that circumstance promise, saying they will receive something that is not of this broken earth. Blessed are those who mourn. He is calling out, not saying that when everything goes well, he is actually speaking to the people that are mourning 
And we know very well when we hear mourning, it speaks to tragedy, deep loss. That is not something that we could just use this flippant term of blessing. That's hard stuff. He is coming and saying, I am bringing promise, joy that is not dependent on the circumstance, but actually born out of promise, there will be comfort. Blessed are the meek, the people that encounter prideful situations and choose God's promise. He's dumping over them, saying, you will receive something much greater, an inheritance here on this earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what is right. They have encountered situations that are not just, that the wrong things, and he says, to them, he is pouring over them. He's not denying that they have faced something that was right. He's actually saying, yep, you faced something that was wrong, and he is pouring into them. It says, they will be filled. So if they will be filled, he is bringing promise into the empty of that situation. And he goes on to say, blessed are the merciful. The ones that have been in the place where they are looking at things that, that call out revenge, blessed, joy that comes from promise over you that have experienced that. For you will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. He is speaking to the people in front of them that have sat in darkness but have kept their heart protected and pure. And he is saying over them, the promise that you will see, that the darkness will not engulf and overcome you, I am bringing a promise in your circumstance of light, the blessing that doesn't make so much sense if we look at it in our cultural standpoint. In verse nine, blessed are the peacemakers and I love the thought of thinking that he is speaking to the people. Blessed are the peacemakers. Because if you're a peacemaker, it means you're living in somehow a pretty chaotic situation. A circumstance that is filled with turmoil. It is disconnected. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called in to a family. They will be brought in. They will be connected. They will become the children of God. He's not, he's not making any kind of rosy rainbows around the fact that the people he is talking to are hurting and they are broken. He is bringing promise, joy that's born from something different than this world has to offer. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. He's saying, blessed are you that have been put in situations that you have wanted the right thing, God's righteousness, and you have not received the answer that you thought should come. He's saying, blessed. The promise is coming to you in the form of the kingdom of heaven. Something that doesn't make sense here on earth because here it's broken, but he is bringing promise that is something that we probably haven't tasted of yet. Blessed are you, and this one is pretty hard because we all, it's using a lot of words that we deal with in our everyday life, insulted, persecuted, you could say bullied 
is a, is a pretty good word that is used in our culture. Blessed are you that is made fun of, mocked, bullied, put any kind of false, people have lied about you. Jesus isn't painting a beautiful rainbow to these people of what he thinks they're experiencing. He says, this is exactly what you have gone through. And in your circumstance, I am telling you that there is joy in the promise. And he says, rejoice, repeat joy, be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. And if we look at blessing in that way, that Jesus is saying that you don't have to have your stuff together, you don't have to compare yourself to people who have it together, and you don't even have to compare yourself to the people who really don't have it together worse than you, and then feel better about yourself. Because isn't that what we do in our head? Some people say, like, you're having an incredibly terrible time, they're like, but there's people that are worse off than you. I think I probably said that to my kids a lot. <laughs> if I'm going to be awesome. You know, t- totally honest. They'd probably be like, yes, you say that to us a lot. But it's not a way that Jesus says, like, just compare yourself to someone that has it worse and, like, try harder. No. He says there is something, how he's created it in heaven that will come to earth in the brokenness, in the circumstance that doesn't make sense. That comes from his promise. And as we go back and look at, okay, blessing, if we look at it the way God intended and he set up, we can look back at Abraham's life in Genesis. If we go back to Genesis 12 and say, okay, God looks down at Abraham, who in no way had like some easy life at all, and he tells him, I will bless you. But he doesn't necessarily say, says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And he doesn't insert in there like, so your tank will be full and you will, all of these things, like you'll have a better life. You'll have more stuff. It'll be easier. Because in my mind, when I hear blessing, I'm like thinking easy street. But he says, I will bless you. And he ends it with giving us the understanding of why in the world God would bless us. He says, and the last thing, I will make your name great, and I want you to see that last phrase, and you will be a blessing. So the blessing actually isn't for us. It's for everybody around us. And if that isn't the gospel, I don't know what is. It's not us getting our stuff together to show people how good we are, but it's touching on the grace that comes through the promise of God in our lives. In not denying, I grew up in circles in Christianity where you couldn't say the reality of where you were at because it was so bad, and you only could say the promise and I actually was living in fear because I never wanted to say the pro- I never wanted to say like I'm I'm sick. I'm really sick. I just had to say that I was I'm, I'm I am going to be better. I'm going to be better. I'm going to be healed. But we don't have to live in fear. Jesus is saying, "Yep, here's your circumstance. You're broken. You are mourning. You have lost. And I am coming with my promise to you." And here with Abraham, he spells it out why that usually blessing in our culture says that it's for us. 
But actually, we're seeing that God set it up that we would be a blessing to be a blessing to other people. And it continues on in verse 13 in Matthew, if we want to jump back to Matthew 5. And if we look at after Jesus has just spelled out all of these hard situations, he's opened people's mail and read it to them saying, I know that you are hurting and broken and there is blessing from me right here. I am meeting you. And he goes on to say, you are the salt of the earth. And if you're, if you're new to Christianity, you're like, what? Like, that doesn't make sense. We don't really talk to each other like salt terms, I guess. Maybe people do. I don't know. I've never encountered anyone that talks in salt terms. But if you've been in, around Christianity, you've probably heard you are the salt of the earth. And maybe it doesn't have a real meaning. So in Hebrew culture, it's kind of interesting as I kind of studied about salt terms a little bit because it's not something that I talk about with like my kids and stuff, but salt was actually key in their everyday life, preserving food, healing, you know, cleansing, things like that. So he is telling them like, hey, actually, after he spells out for them all the hardships, he's like, you have something that is needed here on earth for daily life. And the process of salt like getting the actual salt to the place where it's useful is actually really excruciating, probably more so like a donkey version of the blessing than a unicorn. And when I read about the process of making salt, I'm like, oh, that is so like this year of my life and that year of my life because that's how it was like. The process is they would go to get seawater that was filled with salt. They would dig a very deep pit so just think about things you have gone through in your life where you think it can't get any worse, and it does. They dig a deep pit, they pour the salt water down, and then they let the heat do its work and evaporate out all the water. And it takes time. And it takes time, and it takes time, and the heat evaporates the water till what do you think is left at the bottom? Salt. The salt then is useful for what it is intended to do. Jesus goes on to say, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. The salt had a purpose, and when it's used for its purpose, oh my goodness, that is where it's made. It's in its element. It's doing the work. It's healing. It's preserving. It's bringing endurance. It's doing all of these things. So Jesus is saying to them a very clear picture of the process and what the purpose is. Just like he said to Abraham, I will bless you to be a blessing. And if you think about that, that's a pretty amazing thing. Not to compare ourselves that you have it worse than me, you have it better than me. Jesus is saying right where you're at, there is blessing because it's born out of promise, not of circumstance. And he goes on in verse 14 to use probably something that's closer to our daily life that we can relate to. It says, you are the light of the world. And that's something that we all use electricity. We have lights in this room. We probably take it for granted a lot of time that he's saying, you are the light of the world. Another thing that they needed is light. And obviously, 
He says, you are a town built on a hill. And if you lived in this valley, like even my kids still, we're not, I mean, we've lived here for almost eight years, but still they'll like comment when we come into the valley. They're like, oh, look at all the lights. There's no way you can hide it. There's no way you can count how many lights are there. And it goes on in verse 15 to say, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So if you think about electricians, they usually don't like put the lighting on the floor. They put it on the ceiling because that is where it's going to give the most light, the most impact. And here Jesus is saying, the things you are going through, they have a purpose. And if we lean in kind of to his embrace, if you think he's embracing the circumstances that are super hard, they are not unicorns at all. They stink. And he is saying this, here's my promise. And we lean into that embrace. That is where the miracle happens. And it's not easy and it's not beautiful. And I wish there were some way to candy coat it. But Jesus is so clear. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. And we look at this broken world and you think, our world and people, we, I mean, if we are not feeling super broken today, we have been broken yesterday or the week before or the week before, the year before, and if not, there will be some time where we will need the promise of God to meet us in our circumstance because the circumstance is so hard that we have to have the promise to hold on to, to be able to get on with life because life is hard. It stinks. I mean, all of the things that are associated with a donkey, I mean, they might, they're kind of cute, I guess, sometimes. But in the Bible, like that's work, transportation. That is the hard things. It wasn't like the mystical things of like, ooh, so wonderful. Like people see, you know, you see cute shirts with unicorns on them there and everybody wants one. Of course, I want that kind of blessing too. But if we're gonna be honest, we can't live in like hoping something will fly by. And God's saying there's something deeper with blessing that I've created and it's to find the promise of God that he laid out to say, I will meet you where you're at. And it's not so you can feel better about yourself. It's not so you can be filled up. It's for a purpose for those around you. As we looked in that verse 14, when it says about the light, that you put it so it's for everybody in the house. Who is in your house? Like who is in your life that is being touched by what God is doing, even if you don't even believe. You're not even sure if you believe. Who is around you that's benefiting from what is happening in the process? We all have people, and Jesus is saying there is promise and glory in what he is doing that is for the benefit of all of the people around us. And as I've gotten to think about certain times in my life where it's been very, very hard, 
I have thought, wow, like I almost want to pray, God, it's, it's, it's okay. Like we can have a hard time for a while because it's those times that I get to touch on the glory that God created and touch on like almost to the fact where it's like, oh, this is kind of holy ground. When I get out of my own discontentment, disappointment in looking at the circumstance and saying, okay, God, shift my sight so that I can see your promise. Because if I hold tight to the promise, we'll make it. We'll make it. I don't know if I even believe it when I say it, but somehow I know that your word is true and we're going to make it because your promise is true. And as, as we close today, my, my heart would hope that you took out of this, oops, my microphone is a little funny, sorry, um, that you would take away from today a little bit of hope. Whether you are in a situation where you're just glad the holidays are over and you're in a circumstance that is so big that you think, I, I don't even know how it's possible to find God's promise. You don't have to deny it exists, but just with the same strength that you would tell someone you've just had the worst day of your life, it's like grabbing with the other hand Jesus' embrace to say, I know the promise is here even if I don't see the solution, even if I don't see how it's going to be better. Leaning in, just like the song says, to the amazing grace, because it's the grace as we lean into the heart that we come like face to face with the promise, the joy that is born out of promise, not of circumstance. And I'm telling you, when we do that, the people around us see a light that is not of this world. They see something that makes them stop and look and say, maybe that is a unicorn. Just like we heard on the video, like that doesn't make sense because it's not from this earth. It's the kind of reward that comes to us that we don't even recognize sometimes. Love just to pray for you before we um, take up our offering. So Connections team, you can come down. Jesus. Jesus, I know in a group this big that it's no secret that there are people that have come in and are hurting are broken, that the beatitude situations, the things that Jesus spoke out run parallel to their life. And today they needed your hope. They needed the promise to know that there is joy that is born out of promise of circumstance God I thank you that you do what only you can do and deliver hope grace that truly is amazing because it has nothing to do with us trying harder 
God, I thank you that your spirit will fill people up today, will bring promise where our eyes have been shifted. God, I thank you. Thank you for your hope today and the lives of the people that are here. God, I thank you that you are good. You're a good father. Thank you for that. God, I thank you as we take up our offering and we give to you that you help us to understand that your promise is for us today. That as we give, we give not from our circumstance, but we give out of promise that you provide that you have a way and that you have given to us and we give back to you in worship we thank you for that god in jesus name